Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today we are in part two of a study on the life of King Hezekiah. We are calling this the King Who Brought Revival. We are seeing how God raised up Hezekiah in one of Judah's darkest periods of history. And you know, friends, we are praying for God to raise up once again in our nation people of righteousness. Oh, there are going to be many principles we learn today, things that we can incorporate, things we can implement, things we can pray for our own nation. Can God turn America around? Absolutely. And we are going to learn how today. Well, I'm so glad you're listening. If you enjoyed today's sermon, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email today. Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. Even though I'm completely blind, I love receiving your emails. I hear daily from people who are listening all across America and in many other parts of the world on platforms just like what you're listening to right now. Email me today, Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. Well, today we find ourselves once again in 2 Chronicles in this study called The Kings of the Old Testament. And today is part two of Hezekiah, the king who brought revival. Verse 31, they're singing with all gladness. They're singing with all their might. God is blessing His people. The presence of the Lord is with them. They're pleasing unto God. Verse 31, when it was all complete, the Bible says that they bowed themselves down and they worshipped God. Is that part of your life? Not part of church. Is it part of life that you worship God? In the quietness of your own home, do you ever get on your knees and bow yourself low before the Lord? Do you ever close yourself off and bow yourself low before the Lord? Friends, He sees those things. He values those things. Those things matter to the Lord. And however busy you are and all of life that you're doing and everything that you have going. What would happen if you took time with no noise and no distractions and you just began to bow yourself and you said, Lord, here I am. I worship you. What a precious thing. Verse 35 tells us. That the house of the Lord was restored. The service of God began to take place again. But there was a problem. And you know what the problem is that we're going to see in the next chapter? Verse number 34. They didn't have enough priests. They were so anemic spiritually. They weren't ready for such a revival. And verse 35, thus the service of the house of the Lord was restored. And then verse 36... Oh, help me, somebody. What does verse 36 say? Suddenly. (laughs) It came to me. Suddenly. What happened? All of these things 
happened suddenly. Friends, I'm asking God for a sudden move of God in our nation. The lowest ebb is the turning of the tide. Are we at the lowest ebb now? Quite possibly. But like the priest, are we ready for a move of God? What would happen if all of a sudden people, God sent such a mighty awakening that, that what would we do with them? Do we have enough small groups? Do we have enough facilitators? Do we have enough people to disciple others? Do we have enough people who will baptize and walk with others through discipleship? Are, are we ready? Or would we be like Judah? We'd be so anemic. We're not quite there. Go to the next chapter with me, chapter 30. So all of these things happen suddenly. I want you to know, this was not a revival of emotionalism. Although emotions are part of it. They, they sang with gladness. There was joy in their hearts. God's not against emotions. We just are not to be led by emotions. We're to be led by the Holy Spirit. God's not against emotions. He created us to be emotional. Where we go wrong is when we are driven by our emotions. That's when we get wrong. So you turn the page in chapter 30, verses 1 to 4. I want you to note again, they are anemic. They don't stop at the sudden move of God. They go further. They say we haven't done the Passover the way God expects. The Passover has not been instituted year after year. King Hezekiah says, I want to host the nation for Passover. I want to send word. I want to make a decree. And I want to send letters and couriers all over the kingdom and bring people together for Passover. Boy, they're not done. They're going to press into this revival. And so they make the decree and they begin to... Send out all over the country word. And I want you to note verse 8. They say, listen, don't be like your fathers. Don't be like your brothers who were stiff-necked toward God and hardened their hearts toward God. You see the destruction that came upon them. Let me tell you, Hezekiah knew exactly what he's talking about. Remember, his father was Ahaz. His father burned his brothers alive as a sacrifice. He was a wicked man. You know, I can't read this without thinking so many of you come out of messed up homes. So many of you come out of families where your father was neglectful or worse, your father was very abusive. You come out of families where drugs dominated and uh, drinking dominated, alcoholism dominated, violence dominated. Many of you know what it is to come out of a dark and a terrible home life. And I'm telling you, Hezekiah was not his father. Amen. And I want to tell you, God redeems out of dysfunctional homes. And God redeems out of messed up families. And who your parents were is not who you are. Amen. God redeems out of those messes. And God redeemed Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was able to rise above his parents. Hezekiah was able to rise above the wickedness of his father. And Hezekiah didn't let that follow him into his destiny. And you shouldn't either. You can rise above it. 
just as Hezekiah did. Praise God. Verse number 9. Again, just like in the previous chapter, Hezekiah is going to say, listen, we have captives, and if we would return to the Lord, our captives would come home. Is that a word for many of us today? That if we would remove the filth, if we would cleanse the temple, if we would get serious with God, if we would return back to the Lord, would our captives not come home as well? What a word. Verse number 10. Refresh me, please. What does verse 10 say? So they went from city to city. And what did many do? Many laughed them to scorn. They laughed them. Friends, not everyone's going to be serious as you are with God. Not all of your family is going to follow you. Not all of your co-workers, not all of your friends. Let me tell you, this church of this generation better be ready for some persecution. We better be ready for people to laugh. And we better be ready for people to mock and scorn. We better be ready for people to persecute. Not everyone's going to go the way of God. But I want you to note verse 11. But there were some who did what? Who humbled themselves. Now that's where it gets worth it. Every mockery, every laughter to scorn was worth it for those who humbled themselves. And what was the result of such action? Verse number 12. The hand of God was on Judah. Let me tell you what makes all the difference. In Acts, I believe it was, I believe it was chapter 11. There were certain brothers. The Bible don't even give us their names. It just says there were certain brothers who went to Antioch. They founded the church of Antioch. And we don't even know their names. But do you know what we know about them? Oh, the Bible says the hand of God was on them. Oh, do you know what makes the difference in our lives? Is when the hand of God is on us. You know what makes the difference in this church? Is when the hand of God is on us. Do you know what we measure more than anything? Do you know what the very pulse? Do you know how we detect if we are healthy or not? It's not offerings. It's not attendance. Do you know how many people's in the building today? I have no idea. I never find out till I'm done preaching. That's one of the blessings of blindness. I don't care if it's packed. I don't care if it's slim pickings. I preach the same every time. People can smile as big as they want, or they can be as mad as they can be, and it don't affect me none. Somebody can storm out, and I don't care. I just keep going. I can't even see them. It don't discourage me one inch. It's not offerings, it's not attendance, it's not programs, it's not events. Do you know how we know if we're healthy or not? It's the hand of God on us. That's how we know. It's the hand of God on us. Oh, then Chad, how do you know that? Where's our prayer life? It's the only way it comes. 
It's the only way it comes, through prayer and nothing else. That's why Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. It's the only way it comes. And so God's hand is on them. Help me. After verse number 12. Oh, come on, Chad. Go through your files. Ah. So they continue. They are cleansing. They are reforming. Revival is here. Verse number. Help me, please. Uh, Let me go around. Verse number 20, 21. Help me with those verses. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Look at verses. Look at verses 17 and 18. Now, remember, what is their one problem? They're responding to the Lord. The Lord's helping them. But here's the problem. They're so spiritually anemic that they still can't quite get everything together. They've cleansed the temple and they've done well. And now they're trying to cleanse and consecrate themselves. And there's just simply not enough priests to handle all the people. And there's not enough priests to handle all the sacrifices. And now, because this decree has gone out, now you have people flooding into Jerusalem over the entire nation. The entire kingdom is coming out. Yes, some are laughing and some are mocking and they're laughing to scorn. But many are turning back to the Lord. And they get to Jerusalem and they get to the Passover. And now it's time to make Passover. And now there's not enough priests to consecrate. And the people are not consecrated. And here's the most beautiful principle of all. They eat. They break law. They eat when they're not purified. They eat when they've not been consecrated. And King Hezekiah prays this amazing prayer of intercession in verses 19 and 20. And he goes, perhaps the Lord will see our hearts. And the Lord does. And look, notice the specific language. And the Lord heals them. Do you know what's going on? Remember in verse number 11, they humbled himself. And now in verses 20 and 21, the Lord heals them. Do you know what that reminds me of? Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, what will God do? He says, I will hear them and I will heal their land. Is this not... 714 coming to fruition. And do you know what the principle is? Say amen if you're with me right now. God does not expect perfection out of you. God expects your heart to be right. And you know what? Even though they tried with all their might and they couldn't quite hit the mark and they were so anemic, they couldn't get everything done in time. And, and, and it just they, they tried. with. But you know what? God blessed. God blessed the fact that they tried with all their might. God blessed the fact that they put their hand to the plow. God blessed the fact that they were not negligent. And even in the end, when it looks like they come up short, they didn't in the eyes of God. 
And that's exactly where many of you are, my friends. You don't feel like you're spiritual enough. You don't feel like you measure up. You feel like you blow it all the time. You feel like you'll never get to where you see other people are. But let me tell you, you're right with God if your heart is right. And you know what the principle is? God is far more interested in our heart than he is religious ceremony. Far more interested in the heart than he is a religious checklist. Praise God. So put your checklist away. Humble yourself down before the Lord. Worship him as he desires. And you're going to be just fine, my friends, in the eyes of the Lord. Boy, Satan tried to steal that, didn't he? He didn't want us to go over that point. Verses 21 to 27. Revival extends into another week. They're going to go another two weeks. Or make it two weeks. And verse number 26. Somebody tell me what verse 26 says about Hezekiah. There was great joy in Jerusalem. There was none like him. Not since Solomon. Friends. What does God want to do in our midst? What's it going to take? Humbling ourselves down. Getting a right heart before God. That will bring revival. Now. As I begin to close. Go to chapter 31. And I want you to look at verses 1 and 2. Now there's a principle here that I want to draw from. Revival is not emotionalism and it's not sensationalism. Revival boils down to godly decisions. What began with a godly decision, we're going to cleanse the temple, we're going to open the house of the Lord, we're going to remove all the filth, we're going to institute the sacrifices that God demands, we're going to get right with God. I want you to look at where it ends. Verses 1 and 2. Then it went from the temple into all the land. And they destroyed all of their idols. Friends, revival is not emotions. Do you know what revival always leads to? A pure life. That's the purpose of revival. And I'm afraid that many of us in the church today, we're waiting on revival as though we're going to feel some great emotion. Oh, that'll be part of it once it comes. But that's not the main point. Revival is going to come when we humble ourselves down and when we remove all idols out of our life. You go on through chapter 31. The people respond. And you know what begins to happen? Heaps. Heaps of offerings. People begin to bring their cattle. They begin to bring their animals. They begin to bring their grain and their first fruits. And all of these offerings begin to come in. Boy, I read that. I think about you. And what you've done this summer for First John. I think about how many people come up to me privately. And they'll hand me an offering. And they'll say... I want this to go toward this missionary. I want this to impact the gospel. I want this to go here. God's put this on my heart. 
You know, when I look at the landscape of our church, we're not far from this. When I look at the work of God being done and the support of it in this church, I think heaps is a fitting term. Thank you for loving the Lord. And thank you for loving his gospel. Thank you for seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. To close, look at verse 20 and 21. Somebody tell me what verse 20 says. Boy, I did a poor job memorizing this week, didn't I? I apologize. Tell me what verse 20 says. He did what was good and right. He was faithful. Remember what his father was? His father grew yet more faithless. But Hezekiah was faithful in the Lord. And what did God cause? God caused all that he did to prosper. Some of you are working with all your might. Some of you, your energy is going to trying to keep your head above water. Some of you are so upside down, you don't know which way to go. Get engaged in God's work. And let me promise you, my precious friends, you take care of God's interest, God will take care of your interest. You take care of God's house, God will take care of your house. Hallelujah. What a mighty revival came to the land. They went from their lowest ebb under Ahaz to the highest tide with King Hezekiah. What an extraordinary time. Will the same be true in our nation? I think it depends. I think it depends on if God's people will humble ourselves. I think it depends consecrate ourselves I think it depends on if we get back to pleasing the Lord you know what spiritual maturity is spiritual maturity is when you feel about sin the way God feels about it see that's why as a pastor today I don't want to issue a list and say well you can't listen to these songs and you can't watch this movies, you can't subscribe to this on Netflix, and you can't wear this, and you can't go here, and you can't, we're not going to, no, that don't produce spiritual maturity, but do you know what spiritual maturity is? It's when you begin to feel about sin the way God does, and it's when you say, Lord, is that pleasing to you? Oh, no? Okay, then it's gone. That's maturity. Paul said in Corinthians, our aim is to please the Lord. Is that your aim in life? So rather than your preacher saying, do this, don't do that. No, do you know what you need to do? As you go through your daily life, you need to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And you need to always be asking, Lord, does this please you? Is this good? Is this good? 
And when the Holy Spirit says, sure, then enjoy. And when the Holy Spirit says no, then be quick to obey. And you'll be on your way to spiritual maturity. Do you use a streaming device at home or at work? Simply say, hey Google, play Awaken to Grace with Chad Roberts podcast and listen to our weekly podcast that is the current sermon that I preach each week at Preaching Christ Church.